Love it. Don't fear it. Love casts out fear. Mm. Anytime you feel fearful, anytime you're worried about the outcome, you're scared about what people are thinking, the pressure, the noise, the social media, the opinion of others, just get back to loving it. The minute you focus on love, since love casts out fear, the fear will dissipate and the love will make you so much more powerful. And you'll actually perform better in the moment. You'll think better. You'll be at a higher state of mind, which is what the one truth is all about. It's so simple, so practical, so powerful. But the minute you decide to live that way, you operate at a higher level. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, as I was discussing off screen, is a full circle moment for me because we're getting to interview John Gordon, the one and only. And I just remember from an early age, I think it was probably 2007 or 2008, I was a younger entrepreneur and I was meeting with a vendor of mine, John, I don't even think I've told you this story, but I was meeting with a vendor who had a big impact on me in the early days. It was in Reno, Nevada. It was this guy named Rick Rivelio, and he was a supplier of mine. Him and his family were really successful. And I went down to Reno to meet with him and he handed me this book. It was called um, The Energy Bus. And he's like, Mike. And so this guy was like over the top energy. Rick was always like just super extreme energy. And he gave me a book called Energy Bus. And he's like, man, this is one of the most lit up books I've ever read in my life. And I was sitting here thinking to myself, if there's a book that has a guy like Rick Revelio getting lit up, I have to read this thing. And so I got my hands on Energy Bus. And I don't remember exactly what year you wrote that, but I think this was probably 07, 08. And man, it just really transformed the way I was, uh, you know, thought. And I'm just really excited to have you on the show today because throughout the years, like when you look at people that have had a major impact on your life, it's always people that are positive, energetic, yet take the time to really, you know, mentor and give back. And that's one of the things, having gotten to know you in the Wellspring, you're, even though you're John Gordon, you're like the John Gordon, you take so much time just giving back and sewing into people. And so it's just a privilege and an honor to bring you to the audience and to have this conversation today. Uh, thanks, Mike. That means a lot. And that's really cool about the energy bus, especially because it did come out in 2007, wrote it in 2006, came out in 2007. And so early on, it must have reached your friends and colleagues hand. And then he read it, which is really cool. I think about that. Like that book was written on a, a wing and a prayer and just couldn't believe after getting rejected by over 30 publishers that it finally got published and then bookstores wouldn't carry it. And then eventually it did and they did. And then eventually the book started to spread. And so to this day, I'm always thankful because when you went through that time of, of, of writing a book and wanted to share a message of wanted to make a difference and then it finally getting out there, that means the world. And then when it finally reaches someone like you and you get to connect with that person years later, like that's such a cool story for me to get to meet people who it's impacted. But the wild thing for me is like, you were this young entrepreneur then, and it's been all these years later, I'm still doing it, but it feels like yesterday. Like it feels like yesterday, but that book has been out now 16 years and it hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list last week at number five. So that just blows me away that like it's still on the list, still making a difference. And here we are now a lot older, still talking about it. You know, and and many of your books, and I talk to people, it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that write like one really good book, but every book that I've written or that I've read of yours that you've written has has been impactful. One of my favorites is The Carpenter. That's my, that's yeah, I think that's my best book is what people say until this newest one. I think The Carpenter was probably my best written book because I wrote The Energy Bus, you know, in 2006 and I was 34, 35 years old. And I think you get better as a writer over time. And so I think The Carpenter was was just, yeah, I love that book. I love the story. I love how the beginning of the story came to me and I wrote it and then I didn't have the ending. And I even called my publisher and I said, I don't know the ending. Maybe this happens. Maybe this happens. He goes, ah, you'll figure it out. And literally while I walk on the beach, the ending came to me. And then I saw how the ending fit the beginning. And I'm like, it was there all along. 
Like it literally was there. The story was already there. That made me become so much more faithful as a writer to know, like, it's not even you. The story's coming and you're just here to receive it and then share it. So I'm really glad that you you like the uh like the carpenter. And just to see the success you've had and and the leader you are and and the husband you are, it's it's really cool to to watch, you know, someone grow personally and professionally as well. You know, I I have these four questions that I ask every guest and I'll get into them. But on that note that you were just saying, what I, I've been thinking about our interview and for a guy that's always so encouraging, uplifting, I mean, you get to spend a lot of time coaching and training some of the top performers in the world. We're, we're actually in a pod together. I don't know how the heck I ended up in a, you know, a six guy pod and you are, you are like one of the most encouraging present. Um, I mean, even off camera, you were asking me like how my health journey is going. And this was from a comment that I made like six months ago. How do you, I'm just curious, like, how do you stay connected? Is it just like a natural thing? You just actually love people? Or how do you stay that in tune when you're around so many people constantly? Is it just John Gordon? I think it's just about just caring about people. I think if you care about people, you're going to naturally care about what they care about. If you don't care about people, you're not going to care what they care about. So you remember what people care about. But I wasn't always this way. I mean, I think I always cared and my writing reflected that. But I think like when I'm busy and I'm going, 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 like I was for years, I was so focused on the writing, the speaking, the next plane, the next city I'm going to, that I didn't really take a lot of time for relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't connect with a lot of friends. I didn't connect with a lot of people. At events I did, like when you and I say we're at an event, we would be in, in the present moment together. I, I was able to care and connect. But later on, I would be so busy. But I did always respond to people who reached out via email. And to this day, I have people in audiences that were like, you responded 14 years ago when I was going through this and you responded. And someone else will say, 10 years ago, you responded. And I think it's just really cool that I always responded and people remember that. So, so I cared enough about people to respond. And I think if you care, you'll you'll do things that, that show you care. A lot of people, like I tell people all the time with leaders, like you can't care because the book says so. You can't care because the talk says, oh, you should care. All right, I cared today and they check a box. It really does have to come from the heart. And I do believe it's a heart thing. And then during COVID, when COVID hit and the pandemic happened, it made me really value relationships even more. And so I've become much more intentional about relationships and investing. And I do believe it's intentional. Like we're in this pod and every day, you know, there's a post in the pod of a devotional. And I made a commitment from the beginning that I was going to respond to every single post. And I have every single, I haven't missed a day because I made that commitment. So it's like being intentional, knowing I'm going to respond every day. Even some days it's me and Cody, but I will respond and I'm going to do that every day. I'm not saying everyone else should. They do what they want in their in their life. But for me, that was what I knew that I needed to do and to demonstrate my commitment to the group. And and it's not going to be always on, be on together on Mondays when we have the Zoom. And some people, that's more important. And they might be saying, well, John, you're responding every day, but you're not on the Monday things, but they are. And I think if they're on the Monday things, that's wonderful. For But you got to identify to you which are going to be your care and trademark and how you show you care. And that's what matters to me. So yeah, trying to be intentional, I think is key. Having a heart that cares is key. And then valuing each person in their life is key, knowing that, you know, their journey is just as important or more important than yours. And your time is no better than their time. You know, on that, that post or the text thread um, a couple of weeks ago, you put, I don't even remember what the comment was, but you made some joking comment and you're like, I was just wondering if the rest of the guys were listening. You made a comment just to see if we were actually there paying attention. Yeah, it was about, because the post was on, uh, the devotion was about judgment or something. And I said, I said, I don't have any judgment. Even even, even the ones who are not posting, not <laughs> responding to the comments every week or something like that or every day. And uh, and I was joking, but not joking. But I was like, I wanted to just see if anyone saw the joke. I don't think money got it because they probably weren't paying attention that day. Yeah, totally. So... <laughs> One of the four questions that I ask all the time, and again, I mean, you've you've had the privilege and the honor of, you know, coaching and being a mentor and friends to some of the, you know, most impactful people in the world. Who's had the greatest impact on your life? Mm. I would have to say Ken Blanchard is one of those people. Ken Blanchard, the author of The One Minute Manager and Raving Fans and other great books. He showed me what it was like to be a man of faith, 
but yet successful in business, someone who could write and speak and do this work and make an impact. He's in his early 80s now. And even to this day, I still look at him and go, okay, he's Zooming still. He can't go speak because he's having trouble traveling, but he can still Zoom and still make a difference. And I thought, you know what? God willing, I live that long. I'm going to do that as well. So Ken Blanchard for sure. And I would have to add definitely my wife in terms of the impact she's had on me and her love and her support and her strength and just helping her become the man that I am. That's been a huge impact for me. Even when she gave me an ultimatum when I was a jerk and negative and needed to change, that main character in the energy bus was based on me. He has to go from negative to positive, and so did I. So he was real easy to write about. So I would say my wife as well. And I would definitely say Erwin McManus because Erwin led me to faith. He led me to Jesus. And so he had a huge impact on my life as well. Just a random question based on what you said. Are a lot of the characters like subtly based off of you or really based on me and other people? Usually when you're writing a book, the author usually puts a piece of them into the characters. And so there's definitely a lot of me and a lot of the different characters in the book. And there's a lot of other people in the characters as well. Like I was just with Maurice Jones Drew at the Rams practice. And he's like, hey man, I loved your book training camp. I'm like, no way. Actually, the, the main character was inspired by you. He's like, what? He had no idea. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it totally was inspired by you. And when I was writing that character of Martin Jones, he's Maurice Jones Drew. Martin Jones was inspired by you. He goes, where's my royalties? I go, well, not that inspired. Like, you know, no, no image and likeness, but a lot like you. So yeah, there's definitely, there's people you meet along the way in your life. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a note taker and I'm an observer. I'll hear conversations. I'll meet people. And I'll be like, oh, that's going to be a great character. Oh, that will be a great line. That's a great thing. And I'll often, you know, weave those into the books in the future. That's so good. I'm not going to ask you all four questions, but I am going to ask this last one. I like the four questions, though. You can ask me anything. Yeah. I I just feel like we have so much to talk about. Like, you know, in the four questions for me, when I first started this podcast, I think we're almost on episode 400. But I knew there would be conversations where, you know, I didn't really know the guest. And so that's kind of where the framework was. But I feel like I have a million questions I could ask you. So what is the single piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Love it. Don't fear it. Love casts out fear. Anytime you feel fearful, anytime you're worried about the outcome, you're scared about what people are thinking, the pressure, the noise, the social media, the opinion of others, just get back to loving it. The minute you focus on love, since love casts out fear, the fear will dissipate and the love will make you so much more powerful. And you'll actually perform better in the moment. You'll think better. You'll be at a higher state of mind, which is what the one truth is all about. And so I think that's probably one of the most important things I can say. It's so simple, so practical, so powerful. But the minute you decide to live that way, you operate at a higher level. It's so good. Thinking, I I obviously want to jump into the one truth and, you know, having had the privilege of, I mean, even hearing your talk in the, the Wellspring about the one truth. I think it's such a pivotal book for, you know, the time that we're in. Before we jump off on that though. I was listening to you on another podcast a while back and you were talking about how you had written, I think one or two books before that um, didn't really launch. And you made this comment, I think it was about the books. You said that something along the lines of you realized they they didn't take off and it was because it wasn't your message. Am Am I getting that right? So before I wrote The Energy Bus, I wrote two other books. And those two books are out there, but I really never talk about them because those books don't represent who I am now. When I wrote those books, and they're good books, but they never really took off. And I thought my career was going to take off with those books, even got on the Today Show with those books. And they didn't because I was meant to share the message I'm sharing now. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a person of faith when I wrote those books. And so the essence within me wasn't writing the most powerful writing that I could write, the core message I could share. There were elements of it in there. There were elements of truth. But it wasn't the one truth. It wasn't the ultimate truth. And it's interesting that years later, I would write the one truth that really is the representation of of what I believe, what I know to be true, and what I know is true. And it's so much more powerful. And so while those books hardly sell, this book is going to have incredible staying power and incredible impact over time. Again, I think those books were 
great for my journey. I don't regret writing them. I just know they weren't the core message I was meant to share. When I wrote The Energy Bus, I was like, this is it. This is me. And ever since then, I always think about what's eternal and what's temporary. I only want to work on eternal things that are going to last and make a lasting impact. I don't want to spend my time working on something that really isn't that important. Like if I'm going to put time and energy into it, it should be really important. It should be something that at the end of your life, you will say, I'm glad I worked on this because it's going to leave a legacy and have a lasting impact. It's it's pretty amazing. And the reason why I really wanted to touch on that and bring it up, I, I've i realized this for a while, but even starting this podcast, I had a marketing you know, professional that that helped me along the way. And this has been a five, six year process, but it's called investing for freedom. And, you know, he was always trying to get me to speak to like accredited investors, doctors, lawyers, which is his job. I mean, Hey, this is your client. This is your avatar. And what it took me a while to realize is like, I'm not really passionate. Yes. I'm passionate about financial freedom, but you know, on a ladder, financial freedom is really like number three or number four for me behind, you know, other layers of freedom. And for me, I always talk about relationships, experiences, and memories. And yes, it's the Investing for Freedom podcast, but it really, until I decided to own that message and realize that like, I care more about having financial freedom so that I can live the life I want with my family, making sure that the one thing is the one thing. That's what resonates for me. And so when I heard you say that, it was so interesting to me because I think a lot of times, especially again, this day and age, we're so focused on copy that's going to sell, the message that's going to sell, all the above. But when you truly locked into your message, that was like one of those things that hit me. I'm like, these first books like didn't take off until you got your real message. Yeah, and I learned with the Energy Bus, which took years for it to be a bestseller. And it was rejected by 30 publishers. And it comes out and bookstores wouldn't even carry it in the beginning. So I learned along the way that stay true to your message, stay true to your core, because that book has now sold over 3 million copies. And so you've got to stay true to your core and focus on what you know you're here to focus on, share the message you know that you're here to share. Appearance is temporary, but essence is eternal. So from your essence, what matters most? And I love what you just said about investing and freedom. It's what freedom brings you. It's what the money brings you. So when you have this money, you you are free to live the life you want to live, to build the relationships you want to build, to spend time with your family. So for you, financial freedom and investing in such a way that gives you financial freedom is all about being able to live a great life, an amazing life. That's really what it is about. The financial freedom is just the energy that allows you to do it. And I think it's cool. And now that you know that, that's awesome. Like I have a podcast and I enjoy my podcast, but I know it's not my core thing. People love it. People listen to it. But I know that I don't wake up every day thinking, who am I going to have on my show today? I do not wake up thinking every day who's going to be on the show. I know I think I wake up thinking about the books, about the messages, about the talks. That's my core thing. So I know I'm not a podcaster at my core. So I still do it. And it's important to me, but it's never going to be this massive, huge thing where I'm known for my podcast. I'll be known for my other things before that. So you got to know what you want to be known for. What do you stand for? And once you know that, every decision you make is easy. So good. Let's talk about, I want to kind of transition a little bit, maybe toward the one truth, but maybe like with some caveat, one of the things that I've realized, like listening to you and getting to know you a little bit, you even talked about it earlier, like COVID and the period of time that we're in. And there's a lot of, Karen and I talk about this a lot. Like, I really think that the entire fabric of like marriage and relationships is really being, you know, tore apart. And not just, it's not only marriage. It's, I think it's human interaction and relationships in general. And when you were talking to the Wellspring group, this is one of the things that really stuck out at me. You were talking about, you know, the kids and, and, just the impact on the mental health side of all of this that really the the period of time that we've came out of has had on it. So when you were talking about the one truth and bringing this all back together, what is it? What is it? Was there like a moment that like really spawned you to write this book? Or is it like a culmination of just the chaos that we live in? It was a culmination of moments, but it really was understanding high state of mind, low state of mind that my good friend, Garrett Kramer, taught me years ago. And it's really a great framework. That's where in the beginning of the book, you have the roller coaster analogy, the two circles with the dots. 
Garrett taught me that, understanding clutter and clarity. So I want to give him all the credit in the world. But then I started to see how high state of mind, low state of mind was actually influenced by oneness and separateness. Mm. And then as I saw how negative thoughts are what separate us and fear separates and divides us. And then I wrote the book, The Garden, which shares the five Ds that sabotages us and causes us to lose the battle of our mind. So I'm like, these five Ds are actually part of negative thoughts that create a lower state of mind that separate us and divide us. So then everything started to be clear in terms of there's separateness and then there's oneness. And the more we move from oneness to separateness, we move from positive to negative. And as you study mental health disorders and people with mental health conditions, they all report feelings of being alone and isolated feeling disconnected. They feel separate. And I'm like, that's it. It makes so much sense. The more we move towards oneness, we move towards wholeness. We move towards peace. We move towards joy and purpose and love. So you can see the difference between wholeness, W-H-O-L-A, and having a hole in your soul, H-O-L-A. And this world is, as you said, tearing us apart. We use phrases like broken, being torn apart, divided, the relationship, the split, and everything gets divided. The wound, what is the wound? But is separation, right? Within your soul, there's a wound that needs to be healed. What does healing do? It takes you towards wholeness. And so everything can be explained in terms of oneness and separateness. So I started having these realizations and I'm like, whoa. And then as I did, the world made sense. Everything made sense. And then I started to run everything through that lens and that filter. And the more I did, I'm like, this is the truth. This can't be refuted. It's actually the ultimate truth. And it explains good versus evil. It explains mental health. It explains the feeling of having power, real power, and the feeling of being powerless. It explains relationships. It explains why teams perform well when they are united and connected versus when they are divided and separate, they become weak. So it just explained everything. So that was my thought process as I'm thinking about the book. But in terms of the mental health, I knew I needed to write the book when I was helping a bunch of teenagers and several were suicidal and a bunch were depressed. And they were all like friends' kids. So friends were asking me to talk to their kids and I don't charge my friends for this. So I work. they know I work with all these sports teams and the Rams and the Dodgers, the Miami Heat. They know I work with all these top athletes. And most of these people had kids who were athletes, but also struggling mentally. And so then I would talk to them. And literally, the minute I shared it with them, within a day, they would turn around. Within a day, they had a greater understanding of it all. And they stopped beating themselves up for the negative thoughts in their head. Because once they understood, the negative thoughts were not coming from them. Because here's a simple question. If you believe your negative thoughts come from you, who would ever choose to have a negative thought? That blows everyone away. And it really brings us to the truth. You never would. And so thoughts are always coming in. When you're dreaming, having a nightmare, are you choosing those thoughts? I woke up this morning with a ton of nightmares and I was in a bad mood when I woke up because the thoughts were affecting me. I didn't choose those thoughts. So you don't have the power of the first thought, but you do have the power of the second thought. But once you understand that you're not choosing those thoughts initially, then you stop beating yourself up for the thoughts in your head and you could start winning the battle of your mind. So now helping these kids and then writing this book to help us win the battle of our mind was something I knew I needed to do. Because, okay, I can coach one kid here, one kid here. One day I coached like three or four kids in a row and my voice was shot. I'm like, all right, there are thousands, millions of kids struggling. How am I going to reach them all? Mm. I got to write this book. So the book is the way to do that. And my hope is that every parent reads the book. Every parent gives their teen this book. You talk about it together. You read the book. If we do this, we are going to change the world because everybody will live in from the truth and the belief and knowing the truth instead of believing the lie that is affecting so many people. Know the truth, it sets you free. Know the truth, it gives you power. You will be like a Jedi in this world when you read this book and see it in a different lens, in a different way. Of course we want people to go read the book. Um, but just from a practical perspective, can you give us a couple of tools that you talk about through the book on you know dealing with negative thoughts? Or um, you know, like you said, that second yeah. thought, we, we get to choose. Is there a couple of practical tips you can give us? Yeah, we, we have to give people some tools, right? You don't have to just buy the book. As John Maxwell says, well, you got to buy the book if you want the <laughs> principle. I've shared with you five. If you want the six, you got to buy the book. But 
I do really want people to read the book. Get it from a library if you don't want to buy it. I don't care. I do want you to read it because only through reading it will you actually master what is being taught there and shared. But a practical tool for today, like my favorite is the advice from Dr. James Gills. He's the only person on the planet to complete six double Ironman triathlons. That's a double Ironman, which means you do an Ironman, a day later you do another one. And the last time he did it, he was 59 years old. And he was asked how he did it. He said this, I've learned to talk to myself instead of listen to myself. Mm. He said, if I listen, I roll the fear, the negativity, the doubt, all the reasons why I can't finish this race. But if I talk to myself, I could feed myself with the words and the encouragement that I need to keep on moving forward. And that is one of the most practical tools you can use. Talk to yourself, don't listen. The negative thoughts are gonna come in. Remember, they're not coming from you, but they are coming in. Don't listen to the lies that they tell. The key is to speak truth to the lies. Speak words of life, words of encouragement. Self-talk is important. That second thought, what we think about, we become. What we think about ourselves, that's who we become. And so your thoughts really do determine your belief and ultimately your reality. We often poo-poo that, but even the Bible says, as a man thinketh, right? As a man thinketh, that's what you become. So think wisely, choose your thoughts wisely, take every thought captive, and also renew your mind. A practical step in the book is really the renewing of your mind. And we need to take time to connect with the spirit. We need to connect with with things that give us life, that encourage us, not things that are always draining us. So many things provide relief, but they don't lead to restoration. And so often we really want the feeling of oneness. We're seeking connection. But then what we do is we choose cheap substitutes that give us temporary relief, but not incredible restoration. It's like we have a choice every day. We got the apple and we got the cookie. Which will you choose? The cookie makes you feel better in the moment. It gives you relief, but it doesn't give restoration. That apple will fuel your body and give it what it really wants. So it's always a choice every day between fake and real. And we got to choose the real stuff, which is self-talk, which is love, which is purpose, which is ultimately, spiritually, it's the connection with God. Without getting too you know, deep into that, we weren't meant to be connected to our creator. And when you're connected to your creator, that's when you thrive. Just as a tree must you know, be planted in the soil to thrive and grow, and the fish must swim in water, the more we're connected to our creator, which is oneness, the more joy we feel, the more powerful we feel. I talk to people all the time and they'll come to me and say, John, I'm struggling with this. I'm having all these negative thoughts. And you know, I know they're not an atheist, so they're, they're, you know, they're just struggling with things. And I say, so you probably really feel far from God, don't you? You mm-hmm. were close at one point, but you're probably not making time for prayer. You're not meditating. You're not taking time for stillness. You're probably not doing any of that. No, I'm not, I'm not. How'd you know? Because if you were, you wouldn't be thinking this way or feeling this way. You'd have a whole new set of feelings that would actually be positive fuel for your life. So I even have an acronym, F-U-E-L, which is F is feed the positive. U is uplift your mind and your soul. E is make sure you are encouraging yourself and others. And L is make sure you love it because love casts out fear. Focus on love and that will cast out the fear that divides you. And love will unite you. You know, this is what I love about talking with and to John Gordon, because, you know, I think a lot of people, and I've said this just simply this way, I I think a lot of times people think that, you know, when I get to this certain level, when I become a certain level of, you know, financial freedom, or at the level John Gordon's at, like, everything's going to be easier. And I've always said, like, things don't get easier, we just get better. What I love about John Gordon is just like with fuel, you're always and like the, you know, scenario you gave earlier, you woke up and had nightmares. It's not like, you know, after all the years of development and self-improvement and everything else, you've just become this perfect person. And when you're talking about like the one thing or the one truth, um, it, it doesn't mean that that negativity goes away. You just bring tools to the table that help us deal with it. So I appreciate that. So good and so true. You're right. That's what I've done. I've actually been on a journey to be better myself because I need it and I need to be better myself. And then as I get better myself, I'm then able to help others get better. Mike, it was like this. The other day, I'm walking, talking on the phone, walking down Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica, and the big truck comes by and interrupts my conversation with the loud noise. And I yell at the truck, what are you doing? And I yell at the truck. And and then I laugh. I'm like, did you just yell at the truck? 
John, like, what are you doing? You know, you're looking outside, not inside. You just wrote the one truth that says the outside has no power over you. And I just gave it power in that moment and allowed it to affect me. But the good news is I know the truth. So I quickly realized that, laughed at myself and said, focus inside, not outside. Nothing can impact how you feel unless you let it. And in that moment, I raised my state of mind instead of going through life with a lower state of mind. The old me and where people are a lot of times, they would actually just focus on the circumstance and get a lower and lower state of mind instead of going through life with a higher state of mind. And here's a simple thing that you'll find in the book. When you have a low state of mind, the circumstance happens and it bothers you. The same circumstance can happen when you're in a high state of mind and it doesn't. You rise mm -hmm. above it. So it's your state of mind that determines how you handle the circumstance. And this is why this book is so essential because you have to have a high state of mind to go through life in a powerful way. And the more you do, you'll take on the adversity, take on the challenges, and you won't see your circumstance as something that has power over you. You will have the power to overcome your circumstance. So good. One of the other things that I've really, you know, come to appreciate uh, with you, and, and you just touched on this a few minutes ago, but the faith conversation. During COVID, I was actually in a pod in a, a business group that I'm in. And there's, I think, four or five of us in this pod. And one of the guys was an atheist. And when we're going through COVID, um, it's interesting, too, because his he's actually started talking in the you know the last couple of years about he's open to God, which is kind of an encouraging conversation. But anyway, going back to that, Karen and I have discussed this a lot. Like when we're going through periods of time, like, you know, we were in with COVID and listening, like it's really hard when you have somebody that doesn't believe in, you know, something bigger and, and larger than us. And it's just kind of like, well, we all just exist and we came from bugs or whatever. But that's what I love about talking with John Gordon, because you always bring it back to like the one thing that really matters and it's, you know, relationship with the creator and it's relationship with people. Yeah. If you look at, again, I don't judge anybody for their, their views and what they think. Everyone's on a journey. And again, to me, it's not about religion. I didn't write the one truth to try to provide a different religion or a certain religion. For me, it was about the truth and it was about there's separation and then there's restoration and oneness. And as I share in book three of the book, there's a solution to the separation and the more we realize that life is about separation, then the, the solution seems obvious and it's already there. Like when you're looking for the truth, you'll find it everywhere and you'll see it. But for the atheists, you know, I, I tweeted this the other day, they showed these new machines that are being developed, like Boston Scientific, the machines that are like robots that can spin, do jumps, they carry guns, like they're able to do all these acrobatic moves and they show these incredible machines. And I thought someone designed those machines. Someone created them. And yet we think that our bodies with 100 trillion cells, with neurons, 86 billion neurons in our brain that have transmitters and receivers on them, that they were not designed, that they just happened by accident. If everything that happens in the human body was accidental, but those machines, right, were designed. So I find it hard to believe like that's designed and we're not. How can we be designed? We have a hundred trillion cells, we have blood work and veins and arteries and, and neurons and electrical signals and impulses and how we make sense of the world. Think about that. Sound vibrations, frequencies, wavelengths, spectrums. And then you realize the auditory nerve is literally how we take the signal from the vibration and then turn it into meaning that actually allows us to assign meaning to what we're hearing. And then the optic nerve takes light, sends that signal to right, the brain, which then creates a visual representation of what we're seeing or perhaps creating a visual representation. And then now we experience this reality. It's an energetic reality. Once you understand it's an energetic reality, there could be a designer of this energetic reality and it makes so much more sense. And then you realize the brain is an antenna an actual antenna that is tuning into a positive or negative frequency, just like you tune that dial. And the more negative you are, you start to have a lot of negative thoughts. And if it becomes a pattern, you then have your favorites and you have your negative favorite stations programmed. And that's why it's so easy to, for people to go into the negative because they got their favorites there. And it's like, no, no, we got we to gotta actually reprogram, retune our dial to a different frequency. So when we press that button, it's so easy now to have our positive favorites, our positive messages that we're listening to that are being broadcasted. 
both negative and positive are being broadcasted every day in consciousness, in this field, this energetic field. What we tune into determines the thoughts we think and then the reality we live. So I don't just bring it from a spiritual perspective. I bring it from a scientific perspective. perspective. And once you understand this, I find it hard to believe. How can you believe that this is some accidental, mm-hmm. random chance that didn't happen by some creation and design when you know that radio stations were designed where everything energetic in the universe is actually designed. TVs are designed. Broadcasting systems are defined, designed. Well, guess what? So are we. You know, it's interesting. You're reminding me of my, um, just the conversation that my grandpa's passed away years ago, but he used to, he was a communication specialist in the military. And he always used to talk about, I used to think he was a little bit out there. He would talk about like the, like the ability to harness electricity without wires. And he would talk about how the fact that, you know, our brains are able to tap into radio frequencies. And man, I used to just sit and listen to my grandpa and I like, Back in the day, I thought he was kind of crazy. But then as I've gotten older and like sometimes, I mean, you literally can tune into, I love the way that you position it because it takes something that I thought grandpa was crazy. But the reality is if it's, if it's built like in a robot or a frequency or whatever, that's just the way we communicate. And you said something, I don't know if it was on a pod call or, or where it was, but you were talking about even AI and, and writing a book. Yeah. You said that AI can write the greatest book ever written, but what it can't do is write the greatest book never written, meaning you can't fully... So many people, I think, believe that we're going to replace like the human element of a lot of this, and I just don't think that's the case. Yeah, that was actually Erwin who said that, and what I was talking to Erwin McManus about this, and I said, so someone asked me, what could I do that AI can't do? Mm. And I said to Erwin, as I'm telling him this story, I said that I could love the reader. AI cannot love the reader. So when I'm writing, I'm actually sharing the love within me, the essence within me, and sharing that with the reader. AI can make you feel like it's loving you, but it really can't love you. So there is an essence that people do feel that jumps off the page. And I believe that's why my books sell a lot of copies. I've sold millions because of the love that I have and the essence that they feel when they read it. There's some that jumps off. How people have found my books, how they fall off shelves at people's feet, how someone gives the book to a friend and another friend, the way they get passed around. There's a human essence that people for some reason receive. And I'm so thankful for that. But I know it's the love that I have and also the obedience that I have to write with. Because when God gives me a story to write or a vision, he gives it to me, I write it. And I'm obedient to writing it. So I share that. How else can I explain writing a book in three weeks to three and a half weeks? Every book has taken that long to write. And I'm not that smart. So so I know that, right? So I could love the reader. And then Erwin said, AI could write the best book that's ever been written, but it can't write the best book that's never been written because it can't take the creative leaps and jump in order to write that book. Like I feel like the one truth is a creative leap that takes certain ideas and then is able to show how it fits together with other ideas and then create this understanding that makes even more sense that takes us to a new level of understanding. But AI couldn't do that and would not be able to make that leap. So the human element is always so important and the human connection. So we have this energetic reality that goes to the soul and the spirit. We all have a soul and a spirit and that's the essence of who we are. And that is what actually programs or is running this energetic system that allows us to create the reality we're experiencing in this world. And so I love that your grandfather was saying that. I was laughing as you were saying that because I'm thinking people are going to hear this and think I'm crazy as I'm hearing this. And they might, but the minute you think about the truth of it and how how simple it is, but also how obvious it is, it's almost like we've been ignoring the truth that is right in front of us. And everyone who's read the book since, when I talk about the brain being an antenna, I go, does it make sense? Like, oh yeah, totally. It's amazing no one's ever really said that before. I'm like, no, it, but it, it does make sense. And the minute you understand it, everything actually makes even more sense. Because think about it, when you damage the antenna, which we do through food, we do it through chemicals, we do it through drugs, we do it through all sorts of things, even traumatic brain injury, when you damage the antenna, like a good friend of mine had a traumatic brain injury. This guy was the most positive guy in the world he said, for some reason, he started having more negative thoughts after the injury. And he never had negative thoughts. And it proved my theory correct. And again, I'll say it's a theory. I'm not going to say it's proven, but it's what I want science to research. When he damaged the antenna, 
the antenna then tunes into a lower frequency. Negative thoughts operate at a lower frequency. So you start tuning into more and more negative thoughts instead of positive thoughts. You know, even as you're saying that, and again, it, it could sound crazy, but Karen and I have this conversation a lot, just even with, you know, whether it's social media or anything else, like so many, so many of the things that exist today, which I'm a fan of social media, um, yeah. but so many of the things today are designed for us to consume and not create. And when you're talking about that, you know, that energetic drive and, and really that positivity and that when, when I'm in a creation mode, it's a whole different frequency than when I'm in a consumption mode. And I actually think that the world today, there's a part of me that almost feels bad, you know, for society today, because we've been so programmed and ingrained to just, you know, sit on the couch and consume. And when you're talking about food, energy, lack of communication with other people, lack of communion, look at what COVID did. It like totally just shut down the creation aspect of, of humans in general. And so um, I just think, I, I think we're, I, I'm on, I'm on to it, man. When you're talking about like, you know, the energy around it and just even the fact that you can create a book in three and a half weeks, that's a creation energy. And I just don't think that, I don't think it's weird at all. I love that you just said that because there is a different frequency when I'm creating. You're right. I never thought about it like that. When I am creating, I am tuned into a much higher frequency and I'm receiving like literally downloads to create artist experiences all the time, musicians experiences all the time. I was just with Brett Michaels during Memorial Day and from the band Poison and like you played acoustic in a house party. It was epic, you know, and this guy was, you know, performing this music seriously, like ideas will just come to him and his band members. Like where are they coming from? They're just coming in. And when you're creating, it's it's powerful. But I always told my kids, there are watchers and consumers and creators. Mm-hmm. Don't be a watcher. Don't be a consumer. Be a creator. It's the creators that that will own the world. It's the creators that will thrive in this world. And I keep telling them that. And they're younger still. And they're getting into more where they are starting to create more and more. But they're still big watchers and consumers. And my hope is that as I continue to keep reinforcing they will start to create more and more. My daughter's now speaking. So for her speeches now, she's starting to create more. She's going to write a book that will get her into that creative energy. But we should all spend time each day creating, developing, and investing. Like investing is creating, investing wealth, investing in projects, building things, investing in in resources and buildings that are going up. That's how you make money. But I think about so many people today. It's like, They've watched all these Netflix shows and movies. And I'm thinking, how do you have the time to do all that? Like they've watched so many. I have not watched many of those shows at all. And I think that we're, we're being programmed to be zombies. Like you said, I sort of feel bad. And then we wonder why people are feeling so down, stressed, chronically worried, fearful, anxious, and nervous all the time. We wonder why people are not acting and operating at an optimal level. So I, I don't know. I, I know I wrote this book. No doubt about it, because I've seen so many live with fear and stress and worry and all the things I just talked about, and they're really meant to live with power, with courage, with confidence, with peace. As you said, they're meant to create. They're meant to build. They're meant to do something meaningful, something amazing. They're not meant to go through life being average. And so I really wanted them to actually read this book, to live this way, and to go through life with more power. And I think it's a shift. And for those who just want to stay safe, for those who just want to stay comfortable and be in their shell and not do anything meaningful, don't read the book. Like, don't. If you want to continue being negative and miserable and secure, if that's how you want to go through life, not feeling confident, chronically worried and stressed all the time, don't read it. But if you know that there's a hole in your soul and you know there's something missing and you know that there's more for you and you really want to have more joy and purpose in your life, then I, I really want to encourage you to read it because I, I, I know it's going to take you to another level, no doubt about it. So good. I'm going to, I'm going to actually give away. So for the first 20 people that text me the word truth, oh, I'm going to awesome. send you a copy of, of, uh, John's book because wow. I think it's, I think it's going to be powerful. So text the word truth to 480-531-7519 and I'll send you a copy of the first 20. Um, real quick, when you were talking about frequency and communication, I was thinking about a years ago, I watched this thing on twins and there's a lot of twins that have this connection, right? And they're, yeah. They're talking about how it's weird and one twin would be in LA and the other twins in New York and something's going on with the twin and they like know it. It's weird to me 
it's weird to me that that's weird. And it's like a phenomenon. But the reality is like everything that you're saying is, I mean, we're, we're, we're meant to be connected. So I just so appreciate, you know, just, just the truth. We are, we will, we're even connected at the quantum level. So it's called quantum entanglement. When one particle is connected to another particle at one point and they just have to interact once, they're really technically connected forever. And so if you really look at our existence, quantum mechanics and quantum physics is explaining the fact that we really are all connected as one. No different than Namaste, which says the spirit in me recognizes the spirit in you Mm -hmm. and that we're meant to be all one. It's why when we feel one or we feel connected to others, we feel so much happier. It's why relationships, when we're connected, we thrive. When people are alone and isolated and not in relationships, they actually suffer. And research shows we heal in a loving relationship. And that's why every addiction program has a community aspect to it. Because as you come together in community and relationship, you thrive. It's why you're part of a pod and I am as well. It's why groups like that are important as we're in a pod of, of, of a group of men together. We are coming into community together, connecting together and developing a relationship together. And that actually, we find some healing in that and some wholeness in that. So yeah, it is really essential to really develop those relationships with people and, and know that's, that, that is who we are. We are meant to be together with other people. We are better together. We're not meant to be separate. And then if you think about what happened the last few years, that's why there was so much fear and anxiety and mental health issues because we had an experiment where we were forced to be disconnected. And now we see the fruit or the, the rotten fruit of that. And my goal is that we'll get back to the wholeness. So thanks for sharing the book with with the first 20. It's awesome that you're doing Mike. that, Mike. That means, that means a lot. And I hope those who read it really benefit from it. And I hope those who read it, reach out to me. Instagram at John Gordon 11, Twitter at John Gordon 11. There's now threads, I guess. So that's at John Gordon 11. So, so reach out because John Gordon was taken. So at John Gordon 11, reach out to me and, and let me know, you know, that you won the book from, from Mike and that you read it and love to, love to hear from you. Love it. So one last thing, which is maybe like three things combined, but we have maybe one of the greatest, uh, you know, performance coaches, mentors in the in the world. You literally coach some of the top performers. So give us some John Gordon love and advice on marriage, because you and Catherine, I know you're not perfect, but no. just watching from the outside, um, I'm impressed and and parenting. Okay. It's funny, I just did a podcast with someone who's all about a parenting podcast and we talked all about it. No, I'm not perfect. I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I've worked hard at it. I've become a lot better at it. The more I love my wife, the more I love my life. Mm. Not happy wife, happy life. It's the more I love her and serve her, then the more I am happier about myself and feel good about myself. It's not about what she gives me. It's about being selfless. You can't be selfish and be a great parent or a great husband, or a great leader. So it really is about being selfless. It's about we, not me. So it's got to be about the team. It's got to be about us. It's got to be me serving her, sacrificing for her. And it's always going to cost you something. But in the end, you grow so much more. So the more I help my team improve, my wife and kids, the more I improve. The more I give, the more I actually get in the form of rewards, and love, and joy, and relationship, and everything. So To me, that's everything. Like if you are a failure at home, it doesn't matter if you're a success in the world. Mm. You've got to really work on investing in your relationship at home. The people who will be crying at your funeral, that's what matters most. And guess what? If they're not crying, that's even worse because it means you didn't invest in those people. And so to me, that's what it's all about. So so loving your wife. So it's, it's from the carpenter. Love, serve, care. Every day, how can I love them? How can I serve them? Again, sacrifice, commitment. Your son calls, take the time to talk to him. Your daughter has an issue that she wants to talk to you about, make the time. You're there for them, you're serving them, and you show that you care about them. That is essential. And then parenting, you know, I, I think with parenting, they just, you know, I've learned a lot with that along the way. Love and accountability is the key. I call it love tough instead of tough love. The more you love them, you earn the right to challenge them. But love must come first. Mm. And you got to wear two hats. Trent Dilfer taught me this. You got to have dad hat and coach hat. So after a performance, it could be musical, theater, it could be sports, whatever it may be with your kids, whatever they're doing, you want dad hat or coach hat. They want dad hat, it's all about love and support. 
They want coach hat. You're going to give them some constructive advice and some, some ways to get better. If they don't ever want coach hat, guess what? You don't coach. You stay quiet. You allow them to, to, to do what they do. You don't give unsolicited advice. You can always ask for permission. Hey, can I give you some suggestions here? But never give unsolicited advice. I did that for a long time. And guess what? I almost ruined my kids in doing that. So I had to learn to be a better parent over time. And I learned a lot along the way. I always tell people I wasn't perfect. So learn from my mistakes. So you don't make the same mistakes on, on the journey. But that has been essential as those two hats, love and accountability, loving tough, and then just being selfless with them as well. And letting them see that you're not perfect and sharing your failures with them is very helpful so that they know that they don't have to be perfect to get your love. They don't have to be perfect to get recognition because that's what they really ultimately want. And the more you have unconditional love and support, they'll grow and thrive into who they're meant to be. So good. Well, we're approaching the top of the hour. You've been so gracious and generous with your time. I just can't, again, thank you enough. So you told us we can find you on Instagram. Where would you like to send people to get the book or anything else? Yeah, for the book, go to getonetruth.com. That's getonetruth.com. We have a free action plan. So when you get the book and you buy it, you get a free action plan. So make sure you return to our page to put in your information, get your free download action plan. It will help you apply the principles. And Mike, I'm at a point right now where, you know, I don't just want to entertain, encourage, inspire. I want people to take action because if you don't take action, nothing else happens. If you don't take the money to invest, you can't make the money. So you've got to make sure that you're taking the time to invest to see the fruit and the results of that. So I want people to do that. Website, johngordon.com, J-O-N-Gordon.com. I still send out a weekly positive tip since I've been doing since I've been doing that since 2002. So if you want to receive that, you can. Every week since 2002, I still write it, still passionate about it. It, it started with five subscribers. We have a lot more than that now, which is which is great. And we we send that out often. And then also we got a, a free seven step plan on that website as well that you can utilize to put some of the ideas into action immediately to start to see some positive results. Well, again, I thank you. And I can attest, you know, sitting around the dinner table with you and the guys are all talking and John always comes back to, okay, guys, what are we going to do about this? Like, it's always about action. And I love that because there's enough talk going on. Like we need results. And action creates the results. Yeah. So Mike, hey, thanks so much, Mike. I, I appreciate it. I love what you said most about, you know, freedom, giving what you want and, and having that investments that make money. But ultimately, it's what are you going to do with it? Money is just an exchange of energy. Mm. And so how can you then exchange that energy of money to do what you want to do? And I think about that all the time in terms of investing, in terms of family, in terms of investing in the root if you want great fruit. So good. Well, thanks again for joining us and uh, go out there and get that one truth because it's going to be a world changer. Appreciate it. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.